There are so many men who will make the child but won't own the child. Five seven four nine. The Reluctant King, Part Two. Boys to Men. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. And today we are dealing with the subject, Part Two of the Reluctant King, Boys to Men. And God just impressed upon me today to really just talk to fathers today. I know we have a lot of mothers, we have a lot of women here, but today the message is really geared just for fathers. And it's something that as I got into the middle and I was prepared, God said, this is what you shall speak about upon this day. And even my brother, Pastor James, he's over delivering two messages at a big church today. And he emailed me last night and he said, he said, daddy often said a statement that somebody asked him, what would he do about Bronner Brothers if he died? And my father answered the man with the question, or the answer, what do you mean if? It's not a question of if I'm going to die. It's only a question of when. And James wanted to know who said that. So I told him, and I don't know what he's talking about, but he may be talking about some of the same stuff that I'm talking about now. Yes, God is concerned about you reaching a certain level in your destiny, but it's not just your life. He's concerned about legacy. He's concerned about your children. And in particular today, we want to deal with just boys to men about the sons. Because as I talked about the reluctant king who was Saul, first of all, there was Eli. And then Eli mentored Samuel and Samuel anointed Saul. So there was this trinity of those three leaders, but every one of them had problems with their sons. And I want you to know, The Bible did not mention whether they had daughters or not, but I'm sure they did. Because all throughout history, the birth of females has always outnumbered the birth of males. Even now, there's generally about, for every 100 boys who are born, there are generally 103 to 105 girls who are born. So throughout history, the birth of females has generally always outnumbered the birth of men. But you don't hear the Bible talking about their daughters at all. It only talks about the sons. Even in lineages of genealogy, it only talks about the sons. When God looked down upon the earth, he said the hearts of men were evil. Didn't mention the women. Because God knew by his divine decree, the stuff is carried through. It's orchestrated. Men are responsible. From the very beginning, God never asked Eve. He asked Adam, not Eve. So it doesn't mention anything about Eli's daughters or Samuel's daughters or Saul's daughters. It only talks about the son. So today I want to talk about boys to men because first of all, throughout history, it's the sons that give the most problem. Even today, I know folk who've got boys and girls. I've got four boys, so I don't have any direct experience with raising girls. But every father I talk about who has both, the girls are doing all right. It's the boys they have trouble out of, not the girls. 
The girls are usually highly studious. 75% of all D's and F's come from boys. So it's the boys that they have problems with doing the schoolwork, never the girls. If the boys they have problems with, so there is a difficulty of rearing men in this society that is not different from way back then. Stuff has not changed. Three out of four arrests are men. Eli's sons were evil. First Samuel 3.11, and the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. This was Samuel, the little boy, when Samuel was hearing God call him, and he kept coming to Eli, yes, master. And Eli said, no, no, go back. The next time you hear that says, Lord, here I am. So God spoke to Samuel, the little boy, and when he came to Eli, he said, tell me exactly what God said. God said, he going to judge your whole family because you failed to correct your sons. Didn't say anything about his daughters. Because you failed to correct your sons. Some of the men right now, and I venture to say the vast, 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 vast majority of the boys right now are messed up because daddy Failed to correct their sons. Stuff has not changed throughout the centuries and for as long as man has been here. And God killed both of Eli's sons. Samuel's sons did evil. First Samuel 8. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of the second Abijah. And they were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all of the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. They said, Look, we want a king because your sons are evil. And here was the highest preacher in all of the land. And his sons were evil. Saul did evil in the sight of God. He was a king. He was the anointed king, but he didn't obey what God told him to do. And as a result, Saul's sons were killed, every one of them except for Mephibosheth, the one who was crippled. 1 Samuel 31, 2, the Philistines pressed hard after Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Machoshua. So here, the sons of those Powerful men, all were killed except for Samuel's sons. And when you read over in First Chronicles 6.33, here are the men who served together with their sons from Kohathites, Hermon, the musician, the son of Joel, the son of Samuel. Samuel eventually got his son straight. So some of you fathers whose sons have gone astray, you can get your son straight. And when we look at the problem in American homes that happen simply because daddy is not there. When daddy is not there, all kinds of stuff happens, particularly to the sons. The sons stuff, it's usually overt. It can affect women also, but theirs is more covert. It's more emotional and oftentimes relationship related. Men act out the stuff. 
And you can see it just in the statistics of what happened to children when daddy is not at home. A fatherless homes are five times more likely for the children to commit suicide. They're 32 times more likely to run away from home. Now, you would think that they run away from home because daddy's too tough. No, no, no. If daddy is not there in the house, the children are 32 times more likely to run away. They're 20 times more likely to have behavioral disorders. They're 14 times more likely to commit rape. Nine times more likely to drop out of school. Ten times more likely to abuse chemical substances. Nine times more likely to end up in a state-operated institution. Twenty times more likely to end up in jail. All because daddy is not at home. It's not easy getting boys to men. And that's why today I just want to talk to the daddies. And I just want to use just the acronym, first of all, of just boys, B-O-Y-S, and take each one of those and just give the fathers here a key. B, first of all, you got to be there. That's why all of these stats relate to fatherless homes. Now, I know sometimes daddy's gone. Some of you ladies in here, for whatever reason, you rear the children by yourself. If you're rearing the children by yourself, you do the best that you can do. I'm talking right now to men. And there's somebody within the sound of my voice, whether you're present here live or listening on the Internet, and you left home. You left your boys at home and you left your mother or wife or whoever to take care of your son. And when you leave and you have left, that thing is going to create a void within that son. It's going to more than likely create problems down the road. First thing is you have to be there. And we found when the art first started, we really had a major ministry going out picking up children basically out of impoverished areas. We would bring them in, train them, teach. And this is one thing we found. In every one of the houses that had no father, which was the vast majority, the children were way behind in school, almost at points just illiterate. The best of the children always had a daddy in the house, even when the daddy was had no good. We saw just through experience there was just something about the physical presence of a man in the house that changed the behavior of the child. Just his physical presence. There was something about the physical presence of a man in the house that changed the behavior of the male child. So men who are listening to me right now, and if you got it in your mind just leaving your children, you need to think about the impact that it will make on your child. So the first rule is you got to be there. And it just makes a difference when you are there. Oh, you need to own them. That's your child. That's not just the mama's child. That's your child. A child or an adult has 46 chromosomes. They get 23 from mama. They get 23 from daddy. You are the blood and the DNA who produced that child. You need to own that child. And see, a man can take care of his stuff. Man take real good care of his car. Oh, you mess with a man's car, you got a fight on your hand. He takes real good care of a car that he owns, but often a man will take real good care of his car, and he will not take care of his children. He'll leave the children out, and even if for whatever reason, because he and the 
mother just can't get whatever reason he got to leave, he still will not take care of the children. He leaves the mama there to thin and fight for herself and to scrape and try to pay for all of the stuff dealing with the children. Daddy won't even own up to the children. And there are so many men who will make the child but won't own the child, will keep their car just as shiny and bright. You can see yourself in the car. And yet the child is there with, you know, baby need a new pair of shoes and won't own up and won't take care of the child. So there's somebody who's listening to me right now. You're not in the first part. You're not there, but you're not doing the second part either. You won't even send money to even help take care of the child that you help to make. So you need to own them. And you need to do what you are supposed to do. Even if for whatever reason you and the mama can't make it, you still need to own up to your children. It makes a huge difference when the daddy is not there and the daddy's income is not there. It puts mama under a strain. It takes care of all kind of resources out of the household. It just makes a difference. Money makes a difference. And when daddy is not there with his support, that house undergoes a tremendous financial strain. B, be there. O, own them. Y, you are the mold. You are the mold. I knew the principle, but I just didn't see it quite as clearly as when things happened with my own boys. And I told you the story before of how when I have lunch once a month with my oldest son, I was out at his school a couple of years ago, and we're in the cafeteria, we walked up to the cashier. It was in February. And the cashier looked at him and she says, is this your daddy? He said, yeah, this is my, he said, can I tell him, can I tell him? And he said, well, go ahead. He said, look, this boy comes in here every day and he never wears a coat. He's got on his little thin something and it's cold outside. And I'm telling him he ought not to be outside with little or nothing on him. And he tells me that's the way his daddy is. And we were standing there. It was February. It was cold outside. He had on just a short sleeve shirt with no jacket. I'm standing there in a T-shirt. And I looked at both of us and I said, oh, my goodness. And I never realized this boy is even watching the way I dress. He told the cashier, my daddy is like that. You don't know how much your sons look at you. You are the mold. And your son is going to be molded just like you. So when he goes off and does some all kind of crazy stuff, he has seen some stuff in you. Your son is going to be molded just like you. And don't think children don't know. They know. I remember we have a men's meeting every third Sunday at 730. And one of the men's meetings, we discussed some of everything. And one of the men's meetings, we had a real hot discussion. So the discussion got real emotional. And the boys went home and they told my wife, they said, you know, that's the first time we have ever seen daddy upset. And when my wife told me that, I said, whoa, you mean to tell me these kids watch and they notice every little detail like that? Now, see, the thing about it, they said that was the first time they'd ever seen their daddy upset. I am thankful that the first time they ever saw me upset was in church. Because with most men, it's opposite. You go home and raise hell and try to be a saint in church. And the boys will see what you are at home. They don't give a hoot what you are in church. They see what you are at home. And they know. Trust me, they know. You are the mold. You can't fool children. They know. 
They can feel the spirit in that house. And you can't fool them kids. They get among themselves and talk. They know you are the mold. You are the mold. Your children are going to behave and they're going to handle life situations just like you. My oldest son just released his first book. It's called Choosing Happiness. You can go on Amazon.com and get the book. Now, it's not written in the name of Nathaniel Bronner III. He actually wrote it under the name of Hawthorne Bronner because his name is Nathaniel Hawthorne Bronner III, just like my name is Nathaniel Hawthorne Bronner. So my son wrote his first book not using his full name. But when I looked at how he wrote it and I looked at the name, I said, I wrote my first book under a different name. My first book was written under Jason Haldane. It wasn't written under Nathaniel Bronner. I said, he did the same thing his daddy did. And when I read the introduction during our family study, and they listened to the introduction, George's first comment was, he sounds just like you. Your boys are going to sound just like you because you are the mold. And this is what happened with Eli. He was the high priest. He was the most powerful and prominent preacher in the whole country. This is what happened to Samuel. He was the most powerful and prominent preacher in the whole country. And they did not train their boys because I don't know what they saw at home. And S, serve God, serve God. Your boys are going to know. Your boys are going to know. George was ordained as a minister at nine years old. He first came to talk to me at seven. And he came to me and he said, Daddy, I want to just spend some time. I just want to talk to you because I got some questions I want to ask you. I said, okay. So we just went downstairs, closed the door, and sat and talked for about two hours. When I came out, my mouth was just hanging open. I said, how in the world this seven-year-old boy asked me all these deep questions? But the first thing he said was this. He said, Daddy, the reason that I love God is because of you. And I had never sat down and preached to George. He was seven years old. I had never sat down and had a serious talk with him. He said, the reason I love God is because of you. See, Elijah gives the example. It's a popular statement. Preach a sermon everywhere you go. And if you have to, use words. When you're at home, they become just like you. And they see what you do. They feel your spirit. They know. And they become in your image. So fathers, be there. Own them. You are the mold and serve God. See, when you serve God, first of all, the word simply says, bring up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart. Number one, God's not supposed to read your children. The church is not supposed to read your children. We had a mama leave the church because she was mad at us. And she was mad at us because she said, y'all won't rear my son. The son was just going haywire. And she just got mad at the church because we wouldn't rear her son. And I asked the question, I said, what is it like in the house? Well, me and the dad, you know, it was hell in the house. So it was hell in the house. She brings her son to church and mad because we couldn't straighten him out. Bible never said for the church to straighten out your children. God is not going to rear your children. He commanded you to rear your children. Not anybody else. You to rear your children. You bring them up in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. You're supposed to rear your children. Not the church. 
That's not my responsibility. And to be honest about it, I can't do it with an hour a week. I can't straighten out your children with an hour a week and then they go home and in the middle of hell, the other 167 hours. I can't straighten out your children. No, no, no. That stuff comes out of the home. So fathers, you have got to do what you need to do. And I look at our family. We have a great mother. Oh, my mother's just awesome. But that's why James contacted me about that statement by my father. Almost every statement you hear comes from my daddy. I have one of the best mothers on the face of the earth. But virtually all of our philosophy, all of our thought patterns, all of our training, for the most part, 95% of that from my daddy. When you hear me up here talking about it, it's always what my daddy said. You rarely ever hear me talk about what my mother said. I got one of the best mothers on the face of the earth. And my father has been gone from this earth over 20 years. And you will still hear me say over and over and over, my father said this, my father did that. This is what my father did. And my mother will even say, look, you all are that's because of your daddy. My mother is highly religious and highly spiritual, but it was my daddy who took me to midweek service. He took me to church every Wednesday. It was my daddy who took me. So fathers, you have the power when it comes to your sons to change and to get them on the path and to make them from boys to men. They're going to be like you. They're going to be in your image and they're going to have the spirit that you put forth. And it's a responsibility, but yet it is a privilege to be able to be entrusted to take boys to men. And before we can ever assume our position, we have to understand the power of legacy and what we are charged to do. So fathers with sons, be there, own them. And I know you can say, well, I don't own the children. Own them. You don't own your car. You really don't. There's nothing in the material plane. If something happened to you tomorrow and you left this earth, somebody else is going to get you. You really don't have true spiritual title to anything material. But you're entrusted with their care. So own up to that trust. You are the mold. And your boys are going to be the image of the spirit daddy puts out. And serve God. If you serve God, your children will know it. They will see it. And they're not going to listen to what you say. Children are going to follow what you do. And they'll follow it just almost out of an instinct. You know, my children even look like me. They see their daddy working out. My two oldest sons are workout fanatics. That didn't just come out of anywhere. They see their daddy like that. And my wife will tell me, sweetheart, you just walk around the house all day. You ain't had nothing but your underwear on. Just walking around the house like that. And my sons do the same thing. My wife can't get him to put on his shirt. And she can't get him to put on his shirt because she say his daddy like that. So she can't get the second one to put on his shirt. The school can't get my other one to put on a jacket. All because they're daddy like that. So they take almost everything daddy does. Even if I don't tell them, they watch and they see. And that thing they begin to emulate from their spirit. Fathers, you have an awesome responsibility. It's an awesome privilege to be able to take boys to men. And if this message pricked at least one daddy today to make a change and to take that responsibility serious and to make sure that your son does not go the way of Eli's sons, that your son walks in a proper path, go and be a daddy. And I just want to 
touch the fathers who are here. And I just want to pray over daddies. Because I'll tell you right now, it's not easy being a good man these days. It really isn't. I know women talk about how rough they have it, but men die sooner. That tells you a whole lot about stuff. Men die sooner. Women live 10 years longer than a man on the average almost anywhere on earth. So men die sooner. It's just not easy being a man. Folk expecting you to do, and if you're a good man, let me put it, no, it's not easy being a good man. That's more accurate. Men who are fathers. I just want to pray over you. Just the men who are fathers. You have a responsibility to your children. But in particular, today's message was to your sons. To your sons. And it makes a difference when you are daddy. Daddy. Your sons will carry the image of daddy until the day they leave this earth. Daddy. Daddy. And even though they love mama, they actually will spend more time with and talking to mama. But it is daddy who puts the image of what they ought to be into their spirit. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, right now, as these fathers stand before you, Father, I pray right now that you place your spirit within them, that they may be able to impart it upon their sons. Just as you gave your son, and your son said over and over and over again, I can do nothing except what I see daddy do. Your son could do nothing but what he saw the father do. That same spirit pours into our sons. Father, help us to be the daddies that we should be. Help us to be the image that we should be to our sons so that our sons may grow up strong in you, may follow you, may be the men that they should be. And the image that we put into our sons, it's not just for them because they will be a father based on what they see from us. And that thing becomes not just to our sons. That's why your word says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. How our sons see us is the way they will behave to their sons. And it flows down and down and down, multi-generations deep. We pray right now just for the anointing of their hands and their feet and their minds and the words of their mouth that they shall speak and empower their sons to be what they should be. But the sons shall be what they should be as we are what we should be. Father, help us to be men. We are not metrosexual. We are men. And sometimes we got to just do like you told Gideon. Gird up your loins and be a man. Father, we are men. You have placed hair on our chest, testosterone in our genitals. Father, you have placed strength in our muscles for us to be men, bass in our voice. We are men. We are men. Father, help us to be the strength and the example and walk the path. Give us the grace in our errors that even when we mess up, we'll straighten up. For you are a God full of grace and mercy. And Father, we just even pray that grace and mercy over our fatherhood. For we cannot be perfect. But Father, help us 
to be better. For as you gave your son, so shall we inspire and instruct our sons. Each and every one of these men, may thy grace, thy mercy, thy power, thy protection, thy instructions and ordering of their footsteps be upon them. In thy son Jesus' name we pray, amen. We thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. You are listening to BrothersoftheWord.com. This was part two of the series titled, The Reluctant King, subtitled, Boys to Men, by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5749, that's 5749, to listen to over a thousand free messages, or to send this message number 5749, to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you, and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often, because brother, you need the word. Oh, oh, oh.